Live from Nika's brain. <laughs> I'm from Nika's brain. I love poppers. <laughs> Mistakes. What a beautiful morning it is this <laughs> four in the afternoon. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous. Um, so gorgeous I can barely open my eyes. <laughs> the early bird gets the worm and uh, we just kind of live by that motto here at Best Mistakes. And I got the worm from watching that sunrise at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah, you certainly did. Uh, just right before bed. <laughs> right before tucking yourself in for a good morning sleep. Um, did you have any weird dreams? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. Did you? I think I did, but now I don't remember them. Oh, yeah, maybe I did, but I don't remember. I it. did have a dream, not la- I guess the night before last night. Um, where like you and I were in a like life or death hostage situation. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it, Nika, you've infected my brain. Good. But you didn't, you didn't abandon me or mercy kill me in this dream. So I guess my subconscious trusts you more than my conscious does. <laughs> so that's beautiful. Well, I'm glad that you had that experience. I'm glad you had that dream. I'm not. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was it was nice that you didn't <laughs> kill me, I guess, um, when push came to shove. But, you know, it wasn't like a relaxing uh, slumber. Let's put it that way. Anyway, yeah, I don't think I had dreams um, today. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I did. I woke up as if I had had dreams, but I didn't really remember what they were. But, you know, when you wake up in a mood and you're like, Something happened (laughs) (laughs) and it's none of my business (laughs) and that is none of my business. Well, I mean, why don't we just dive in, shall we? Let's do it. Mistakes, keepsakes and hot takes. Um, My mistake this week was um, (laughs) I've needed to do laundry since this day last week it's been a full um seven days of me making uh it really stretch you know mm-hmm. um but today has to be the day when we're done recording I'm on like you know the pair of underwear that when you reach it you're like oh it's desperate now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and that's why we keep it around too you know Um, so yeah, I desperately need to do laundry and I just spent a full week of not doing it. My bad, my bad, me (laughs) better luck next time. It happens. It's at the point where it's so much laundry that it, it might be more worth it to just do drop off service. So I might just do that anyway. So that was my mistake. Um, I'm also on like my scratchiest pair of sheets. (laughs) I'm just, it's done, you know, it's a wrap on, um, that situation. My keepsake this week. Um, I finally, after a full year of seeing this therapist twice a week, opened up to him. Not that I've been like straight up not telling him anything this whole time, but I've kept it very surface level. I've kept it very like what's going on week to week. And we haven't really dove into my like, you know, the the underbelly. (laughs) Um, And I finally did it. Barely. I barely even said anything. But at the end of the session, he was like, thank you for being so vulnerable this session. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> but then I realized it's a good thing. That's how this works. I was like, fuck, <laughs> damn it. You got me. <laughs> I've, I've been got, um, but yeah, 
I feel good. I feel like it's the beginning. <laughs> I also think that I'm about to not have the same insurance anymore. So we'll see how much longer I'm even <laughs> seeing this therapist. I might have to start from scratch pretty soon. But um, yeah, that's been something that has weighed on me for a while is that I feel like I'm not taking it like full advantage of the um, like therapeutic uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. And I've known that, but it's just very, very hard for me to open up. I'm kind of unique that way. <laughs> um, so I did that. That's my keepsake. Oh, another keepsake is that I um, uh, FaceTimed with my dear friend for his birthday. Shout out to Eli Olsberg. Happy birthday, Eli. <laughs> um, and... We talk on the phone sometimes and we text all the time, but we realized that this was our first time other than when you and I did his podcast. Mm -hmm. um, It was our first time like video chatting um, since we last saw each other in real life almost two years ago. Um, Yeah. For some reason, we just never video chat. And so it was just very nice to see a good friend's face. And so that's my other keepsake. Anyway, um, hot take. I guess like just uh, uh, like not current events related. My hot take is um, that horror movies that came out in like between like 2006 and 2009 are my favorite. Okay. And I've been really just like getting back into like some some notable shout outs would be like the 28 days and 28 weeks later. Um, both movies individually, I don't really think they, they go, they pair well, other than that they have the same virus Mm -hmm. in them. Like that's the only thing that they have in common. Um, so I don't really even consider them a like first movie and second movie, but just two separate good horror movies or, you know, zombie apocalypse movies. Um, 30 days of night, (laughs) which I really took to Twitter to tell everyone how much I love, um, battle Royale. No, that came out way earlier than that. I think that's like an early, early 2000s movie. But either way, I'll lump it in. Um, Cabin Fever. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm she to shaves say, her legs. Yeah. So. Oh, it's so good. Um, weird long con joke in Cabin Fever that involves the N-word, though. Oh, I haven't seen For it to be written a by a white guy. It's like technically a very funny joke in terms of the setup is at the beginning of the movie and the punchline is at the end of the movie. And like that part of it, I'm like, Oh, that's really funny. And that's something I kind of want to implement in my own writing, but it's weird that it's like (laughs) a racist joke that didn't need to be racist. But anyway, that's my one caveat about, um, (laughs) about recommending cabin fever, but I do love the rest of that movie (laughs) anyway. So that's my hot take is, um, Campy, uh, arts horror is the best horror. Um, and I'm getting, I'm getting back into it. And I think maybe it's just because I was the age that you get into horror movies when those movies were coming out, Mm -hmm. but I just fucking love them. Um, I've been watching a lot of, Ooh, this is okay. My official hot take is I recommend if you're into horror movies to fall down the rabbit hole on YouTube of um, like commentary channels that um, tell you how to survive certain movie like universes, like Uh the, the scenario that the movie presents, how to survive it. And or why you wouldn't survive it. There's like okay. two types of videos that um, almost every horror movie has these videos about them. And they're so much fun. If you don't really feel like watching one of those movies, but you kind of like want to just sit in the universe of that movie for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Those are usually like 30 to 40 minute videos that like break down the entire movie and what you could do to survive it or why the character surviving is not realistic. Like I just love those videos. So if you like horror, um, I've been like sending my brother those videos a lot this week. Cause he and I love all the same horror movies. So start, if you like 30 days of night, start with 30 days of night. The videos about that movie are chef's kiss. So that's my hot take. Gorge. Not current events related at all, but that's fine because the news sucks. Gorge. Your turn. All right. Um, my keepsake um, was uh, celebrating 
my dear friend Kiwi's birthday mm-hmm. um, last night. <laughs> and this morning. And this morning. We love you, Kiwi. Shout out to Kiwi, friend Shout of the pod. Kiwi, of the pod. Um, in, in the pod. In our po- pandemic pod. True, yeah, and friend our of pandemic the, pod. <laughs> and friend of the podcast. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I haven't stayed out that uh, late slash early since New Year's. Yeah. Um, but then my fuck up is also that I did do Molly twice this week. <laughs> so uh, my brain needs a rest. Um, uh-huh. I did Molly last weekend and I did Molly last night. Um, That's what happens when you have friends with just endless access to Molly. <laughs> They're like, do you want some? And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Oh, well, wait, oh somebody somebody put it really well last night. They were like, Molly, is you taking out a loan on a mood like later? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we were like, and Gatorade is if you want the loan to be lower interest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, speaking of which, Noah, your Gatorade was there all night. Our friend was very upset that he couldn't find his Gatorade. He thought someone had drank it, stolen it, I don't know, and then he left and it was on a table. It, full too. Full to the brim. <laughs> to the to like one sip. I looked presumably over like, that he took of it. I looked over like three hours after he left and was like, You fucking idiot. It's right there. <laughs> he listens to the podcast too, right? Yeah. So well, this is- <laughs> yeah, Catherine uh does. I don't know if Noah does. All right. Well Catherine relay the info. <laughs> Let your boyfriend know. Um, and what's my hot take? My hot take is that whippets fucking freak me out, man. Whippets <laughs> are scary. I think we need to stigmatize whippets. More. <laughs> like, I mean, I know I'm not one to talk because I do drugs pretty often, and I also love poppers, which, which are, are kind of the exact kind same of the exact thing. same thing. But it's no, but like, there's something like weird about like in order to do whippets, there, it's way more like involved. Sucked in and out of a balloon. Eight there's times. there's a <laughs> whole process that all of it makes you look insane. <laughs> insane. Like poppers is just kind of smelling a bottle. You know, yeah. we've been doing that since we were in kindergarten. <laughs> who who didn't smell glue here and there? You know, <laughs> poppers is. Um, I'll I'll go as far as to say poppers are natural. <laughs> Doing poppers is natural. I don't really I don't personally do them, but you know, you see someone do them and you're not like, "Whoa, what the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> but whippets are like, "Hey man, are you okay?" Fuck up of the week, Ted Cruz going oh, to Cancun. Yes. Gone to Cancun. And then blaming his like 10-year-old daughter. And leaving behind his dog. Yeah, but did that mean like just alone? He had like security like outside of the house, but the dog was alone in the house. So nobody was taking care of the dog at all. Well, security apparently was, but still. Because that that part of the story, I was like, there's got to like everyone was like, that's cold blooded murder. And no, I'm like, there's he, no way Ted Cruz like was like, fuck the dog. We're going to Cancun. <laughs> and if he did, I feel like he would have like shot the dog in the backyard. <laughs> no, he had um, a security detail. Okay. I was just kidding. Um, but yeah, that definitely is the fuck up of the week. Yeah. Fucking going to Cancun while your constituents are literally freezing and starving to death. Yep. Like I love, there was a tweet that was like, I like how that was like such an astronomical fuck up or, you know, I don't think they use the word fuck up, but for the purposes of this podcast, fuck up, um, that we completely skipped over how insane it is that he also like is flying to Mexico during a pandemic at all. Right. But like that context was almost completely lost in the conversation, Uh um, because everyone was like so appalled by the other circumstances at play. Yeah. It's but yeah, guys, um, I mean, I don't know what the situation will be by the time this podcast comes out. But if you have the means, please donate to mutual aids um, that are benefiting the people of Texas right now, um, especially the ones that are getting people hotel rooms, because yes. uh, it's like. I mean, a lot of my friends are saying that their power is back on and their heat and their water is working again. So I think it's, you know, on the up and up. But there's definitely people who are still struggling. 
And then I think, I mean, definitely by the time this podcast comes out, people will still need help with repairs and stuff because yeah. pipes were bursting and like, um, and I mean, like cars. Yeah. Cause people are being charged like astronomical, um, uh, heating and electric bills right now that they're like not allowed to get out of because of the privatized grid. Yeah. Like yeah. Someone owes like $17,000 or something. Yeah. All so life savings. Um, hold on. I'll actually pull up the uh, names of some mutual aids that you guys can donate to because just telling you to find them yourself isn't that helpful. <laughs> and they're on, these are Venmo handles. Um, so feed the people Dallas at feed the people Dallas. I'll spelled how you think it would be spelled. Houston is at mutual aid H O U. And then Austin is Austin mutual aid or Austin mutual aid hotels. Um, be sure with the Austin hotels one to make hotels plural because there's a scammer that has Austin Mutual Aid Hotel that is oh, just taking okay. people's donations. So hotels plural. Um, San Antonio is um, Trinity Mutual Aid and PMG Mutual Aid. Um, and there's so many more that you could donate to, but those are just some options if you're on Venmo. Um, so, yeah, definite Sick. definite fuck up of the week is Ted Cruz. But also I saw somebody on on Twitter say um, that the only reason Beto and AOC are helping the people of Texas is to make Ted Cruz look bad. And I'm like, you're telling on yourself yeah, if that's what? your perspective. <laughs> also, like, who cares? Yeah, people are getting help either way. But um, that makes if it makes Ted Cruz look bad that someone's helping his constituents, that is that says so much more about Ted Cruz than the people who are helping his constituents yeah. for whatever reason they're helping them. But also Beto is from Texas. So it'd be like, I don't know. To me, it's like, what are you talking about? Um, so whoever tweeted that, uh, you're probably, you're probably a bad friend too. <laughs> the only reason you help people is to make yourself. And I bet there. your mom hates you. So. <laughs> I bet you you're fucking bad at, at sex. <laughs> 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 um yeah this episode is about uh jenny slate on saturday night live yes we love you jenny come on the pod we love you jenny come on the pod um yeah it's a fun app um yeah i think that's it enjoy enjoy okay all right um so sorry <laughs> i'm i'm still trying to master the australian o sound you know yeah no sorry yeah sar. i can't do it but you're so good at accents nika yeah. try well no i have tried try to <laughs> listen like dying even oh that's not bad no, that's pretty bad it's a little kiwi What's Kiwi? <laughs> um, uh, New Zealand. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that someone actually said that to me once. I was doing a, what I thought was an Australian accent when I was when I worked at Brown. And this girl was like, are you from New Zealand? And I was like, no, why? And she was like, oh, because I am. And I was like, oh, no, I was trying to do an Australian accent. And oh she God. was like, oh, well, you just sounded like you were from New Zealand. My dear friend Steph is so good at Australian accents. Shout out to friend of the pod. Shout out to Steph. Um, she's so good at Australian accents that she's convinced like multiple people from Australia that she's from Perth. Oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> and it's very funny. She used to have like, I don't know, she would post it in her Instagram stories. I don't know if it's in her highlights or something. It should be, though. It's so funny because she'll record their reactions mm -hmm. of her being like, no, I'm American. And they're usually just strangers at a, uh. at a club that she'll, she'll have been like speaking to for like 10 minutes in this accent. And then finally reveal that it was all a lie. Wow. And the reactions are to die for. I'd like to convince someone that I'm from Ireland. I think you could. I think I could. I don't know. I have to try harder. Saoirse Ronan says in an interview and she's trying to teach Jimmy Kimmel how to do the Irish accent that, Americans, whenever we do an Irish accent, we get a really heady voice. Well, I think the, the biggest problem with the American Irish accent is that we get too Irish with yeah. it. And if you actually listen to someone from Ireland, a lot of what they say, I mean, I don't know, it depends on the region for sure. But yeah, a lot of like Paul Mescal, oh, I'm like, what? Are you even speaking English? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... yeah. But there's a lot of people from Ireland where like they're a lot of like half of the sentence is almost indistinguishable from how an American would say it. Yeah. But there's just like these little, like if you watch normal people, 
Normal people. Yeah. <laughs> like there's full words that they'll say that sound like an American is saying it. It's like very specific, like letters that they say differently, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like Americans where they go wrong is by hitting it too hard. Mm. Maybe I'll go watch Normal People tonight. Just the last episode. Did you know Ugh. that that was... Oh, of course you knew because I posted about it a bunch. But my most listened to album of 2020 yeah, was yeah. the Normal People soundtrack. Not like the like <clears throat> songs with lyrics soundtrack. The, no, 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 I understand. Yeah. The like, score. The score by yeah. Stephen Rennix, who was my most listened to artist of 2020 because I kept listening to the Normal People soundtrack and then also to the Room soundtrack. Because Room 2015 is actually one of my all-time favorite movies. I could watch it like multiple times a week. The kidnapping movie? Yeah. yeah everyone, I, I mean, I love Brie Larson. I love that everyone's movie. Everyone's like, how could you that, watch that multiple times a week? But That child actor? Jo- uh, Joseph Tremblay. Phenomenal. So good. So good. Gore, go, what, go, else, go, go, what else was he recently in that I was really <laughs> impressed with him? I don't know. He was in something else recently that I was like, oh, where do I know this kid from? He's so good. And then it turned out to be Room, but I didn't recognize him because of mm. the hair difference. You yeah. Know? Anyway, yeah, he's, oh my God, I have to look it up because he's, we just got to give a shout out to this child actor. Amanda Brugnell, I think is her last name, who plays Rita in The Handmaid's Tale is in that movie. I realized the last time I watched it, she plays the cop who saves Brie Larson. Um, Oh, oh, Good Boys. I saw, I watched Good Boys recently and he's one of the main characters of that. And he's very, um, very likable and yeah i just like him i just like yeah. him what can i say i Brie, bet he's, I bet he's gonna be a douchey teenager but right now i like him <laughs> Brie larson won what the oscar for that movie or a golden globe Something. i remember it was she the deserves year. all of it yeah i remember she hot she had like a line of women hugging her after she won the award because she had like dedicated her award to rape survivors oh my gosh i love her anyway listener mistake shall we we shall <laughs> Listener mistakes. It's a quick one because it's a tweet and not an email. Um, I'm not going to say who it is, mostly because their username is boring. (laughs) And it just seems like maybe it just seems like maybe they wouldn't want it to be. Let me see. Like, look, it's just it's just a name and some numbers. I'm just going to assume that they don't want their name read because um of the contents going through with the three-way with my best friend and his girlfriend when he said it's cool man it was not cool we never spoke again (gasps) yikes well that's not your fuck up i feel like well i so what i'm gathering from this very brief picture he painted is that there was like a vibe and everyone was like should we do this and his friend was like it's cool man let's do it like rather than like they all were like, let's have a three way. Yeah. And so I feel like the fuck up is more like maybe the communication. Yeah. Like when you follow a vibe with um, group sex. <laughs> yeah. That's usually a mistake. Yeah. Vibe. Vibe is not enough with group sex, especially when a couple is involved. Yeah. I mean, I have. Uh, I can. Yeah, I can't relate. Well, I mean, it's never been like I have been the third where it's like it's been a kind of vibe. Let's fuck. And then I'm sure one of them has been uncomfortable, but I have never (laughs) like experienced the ramifications of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, the only time I. Yeah. uh, it Every time I've had sex with a couple and this is when I was like 20. So don't judge me. um, Anytime I've had sex with a couple, it's just ended up with me carrying on with the hottest uh, member of the couple one-on-one. Um, like them breaking up for you no. or you just being the person that they just, cheat with? Yeah, just like having a, an affair. <laughs> um, it happened twice to me. Oh my um, gosh. And I never did it again. It, the, the second and last time it happened was in college. It was this really hot, like gay Bushwick couple. And I was like very, very into one of them. And the other one, I was like, ugh. You're here. Mm. Um, And I think he knew that because me and his boyfriend during the threesome were like really going at it with each other. And then we're like, (sighs) 
just kind of petting him like just yeah yeah so oh god that's so painful when you're having a threesome and there's one person that everyone just kind of like and you're there I felt so bad but I was like (laughs) I can't help and I'm not attracted to you I'm sorry um and then it turned into the hot boyfriend like hitting me up on Grindr a week later and us like fucking twice Mm. and then me being like I can't do this anymore I feel bad I've only ever had a threesome with a couple once and it was very explicitly like, you know, there was like an invitation that I accepted, you know, yeah. more like and, and the, by the time we had a threesome, it was us just following a vibe. But it was after a conversation had already had mm-hmm. that, like, we should have a threesome sometime, you know, yeah. um, and then yeah. all the other group sex or threesomes that I've ever had. Nobody was a, a couple. And Mm. all of them have been us following a vibe for sure. But I feel like there's just like every single time I've made sure that there is enthusiastic and explicit like this is cool with everybody. What's happening? Mm -hmm. Like the the actual circumstances and not just sexual consent. But like, is everyone here actually down to clown? Yeah. Um, One of the best threesomes I ever had. Whore. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Proudly. Um, I'm a cake God, sitting whore. I can't even hurt. How can I hurt? I can't even hurt your feelings. You no, know? I mean, you could. <laughs> you definitely could. No, I don't want to. I know you don't, which is why you haven't. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad this isn't a visual podcast because Nika just gave me the most sinister look I've ever seen. Um, it's almost as if she's what, been sent look? to this earth to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> like a p- possessed porcelain Listen, doll. They used to call me Damien when I was a kid. So. <laughs> okay, well, I would never misgender you like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but one of the best threesomes I ever had was one where none of us were in a relationship, but all of us or multiple of us had hooked up with each other before. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of us, but we were at a party that was like, not like a party, but a group of us were on the beach, like at like two in the morning. So we were the only people Mm -hmm. there. And, um, just like me, this guy and this girl started like making out with each other. And the other people in our group were like, Whoa, okay. Like all of them, like, like we didn't, Mm -hmm. we, we didn't like excuse ourselves. Even we just started, heavy petting on the beach and then and then like you know when I say there's always been a moment where we break off and make sure everyone's explicitly down to clown when we checked in with like when the three of us were like hey are we about to like fuck right now on the beach we also were like hey everyone (laughs) no worries if you want to stick around but like (laughs) we're about to fool around here and they were like yeah we can see that and then they all broke off into pairs and like hooked up in the woods oh hot so we like inspired the was whole party. Chit- was this at Chittenden Dam? No, no, not Chittenden Dam. It was at Oak Ledge in okay. Burlington. Okay. Um, Bur- true Burlington people know. Hot. But um, yeah, it was like in the middle of the night. So there were no other people around, but the pe- our group. Oh, I miss this. <laughs> you know, I miss these experiences. Me too. I was thinking about it the other night where I was like, I don't know. Somebody said something about how, like, I don't know if there's really going to be a lot of orgies once COVID is yes, over. Yes, there are. And I was like, bitch, um, there were a lot of orgies before, before COVID. Before COVID. They're going to be off the <laughs> just charts. Just because you weren't part of any of them doesn't mean that they weren't and happening. Here's the thing. COVID is going to go away because we're going to get vaccinated. And then we're going to have to deal with, like, a super spreader of, like, an STI. That's oh, my God. Like the gonorrhea six. problem It's going to be, this. like, gonorrhea mixed with syphilis mixed with fucking, like, something else. Whatever, I'm ready. Oh, I am too. I mean, I'm always asymptomatic with STIs, so I don't, (laughs) you know, fuck me up, infect Um, me. So yeah, anyway, I'm sorry that you and your friend never spoke again after your threesome that turned out to not be cool. That's like a huge bummer to let like a sexual experience like that, that wasn't even like an assault or anything, ruin a friendship is a huge bummer. Deep dive. Deep dive. Deep dive. Do you have a deep dive? Well, yeah, I actually just decided to change my deep dive because I was going to talk about um, a friend, but all of this talk about threesomes and sex has me thinking about a different deep dive. So the year is 2015. Um, setting the stage. <laughs> I, I was studying trying abroad. to think of things that happened in 2015 and uh, came up literally blank because 2016 is when like things started happening. Yeah. Remember when we were all like, Oh, this was the worst year ever mm-hmm. for the last five years. Yeah. 
Can't remember a single thing that happened in 2015. <laughs> um, I cannot relate. I, I mean, culturally. Yeah, no, I know. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, you're, in, you're in Brazil. I'm in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, studying abroad. And I, so I'm like out at this like 90s dance party at this club in a neighborhood in Rio. And um, I'm like pretty fucked up. Like I'm drunk. And... I think maybe it was like a Halloween 90s party. I, I can't totally remember. But I like ditch my friends because they're like doing their own thing. And I like spot this really hot guy, like hot, like not like ti- not like tinier than me, but like tiny kind of like soft alt boy, Ooh, okay. like looking at me on the dance floor. And I'm like, you're hot. So I go up to him and I'm like, you're hot. And he's like, thanks, you too. So we start making out while What's Up by Four Non Blondes is playing. (laughs) We start making out. And as we're making out, he's like, by the way, um, like I'm not. Basically, he's like, I don't really. I'm not gay, but I don't really know what I am. But I think you're hot. And also, I'm here with my girlfriend who like flew in for the week and I guess they'd like been broken up and they were doing like a trial of whether, whether or not they wanted to get back together. He he, he was like, just telling me all of these personal things. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't care. (laughs) Anyway, you're like, save it for your autobiography. Yeah. Anyway, he introduces me to her, me and her are like talking in the smoking section of this club. It's like five in the morning and my, or it's like four in the morning. My friends are getting ready to leave and they're like, do you want to leave with us? I'm like, no, I'm going to stay and hang out with these guys. Um, Cause clubs don't close until like five. I was like, I'm going to hang out with them and see where the night takes me. Um, so we like do Coke together. We like me and him do Coke in the bathroom and like make out some more. Then we like go back out to the smoking area. He like gets me and the girl to make out with each other. Then like the three of us I'm start picturing making you out. two as like Barbie dolls that he's like. No, he now- literally took both of our heads and literally it was like and kiss. Um, so we start making out. Then he starts making out with us. And then they're both like, hey, like, do you want to get out of here? They're closing up. And I was like, okay, sure. Where do you guys want to go? They're like both college students, by the way. So we're like all the same age in this scenario. Um, And I'm like, okay, cool. Where do you want to go? And he's like, let's go back to my apartment, which is like on the other side of the city from where I'm living at the time on like an island that's like in the middle of like or like on like a man-made island it essentially takes like an hour to get there from where i was living nothing kills a vibe more than an hour commute i mean it didn't kill yeah it it just it (laughs) gave me enough time to be like oh my god these people might end up murdering me (laughs) so we like get back to his apartment we're like doing more blow drinking i like make a comment where i'm like you guys aren't gonna kill me are you and they're like oh my god why would you ask that like (laughs) and i was like i just i just needed to know so, you know, we're having our Coke combos. We're talking about the government, et cetera, et cetera. And we're not like being super sexual, but there's a lot of like light petting going on, like legs overlapping. And, you know, the vibe is still there. Um, but nothing. No one's making a move. So I'm like, OK, we're probably not going to fuck. So I'm just going to sleep here and I'll leave in the morning. That's fine. I'm having fun anyway. So they're like, all right, we should probably go to bed. And I'm like, okay, like, cool, like, good night, guys. And I like start getting ready to like lie down on the couch. And they both are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to bed. And they're like, no, silly, like, you can come sleep in our room. So I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to have a threesome. Finally. I'm so horny. It is 7 a.m. It is 7 a.m. <laughs> and I can't breathe out of either of my nostrils. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> We get into his bedroom and there's two twin beds. They get into one twin bed and are like, all right, good night. <laughs> and so I got into this twin bed and I'm like, what is going on? All, oh, no. all of a sudden, oh, no. all of a sudden they start fucking in their bed. <laughs> Why would they invite you like, pa- to sleep like, next to them? Passionately. Fuck. 
like clapping, moaning, like real passionate fucking. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, am I supposed to get up and get into bed with them? Like they didn't, they're not even looking at me. Like, no, what is going on? Like what is happening? So we, I don't fuck them. I fall asleep. I need the listener to know how hard you just rolled your eyes. (laughs) Literally into the back of my head. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, all right, that was a weird experience, but I'm just, I need to get out of here. So I'm like, can you guys drive me home? And they're like, let's go to the beach first. So we like go to the beach and it's like, I remember it's like raining out. Or it it like had rained and it's really gray out. It's like kind of drizzly. We're like sitting on the beach, super hungover because we'd gotten like two hours of sleep. It's a really fucking weird vibe. And they're acting like nothing weird (laughs) had happened. Like literally I felt so gaslit. So I'm like, okay, I guess nothing weird happened. They're like, what are you not? Are you not sexually liberated? Yeah. I'm like, I guess we're just not going to acknowledge what (laughs) happened last night. So I, they like drop me off at my apartment that I'm living in. They, he like, she says goodbye to me. He tells me he wants to hang out again you're um, like, yeah, for sure. See you never. No, I. So actually, I did want to hang out with him again because I was like, I, I knew what the vibe was, which was as soon as she flew back to whatever oh, city she was there in, there would be a thing with there him. would be a thing with me and him. Yeah, 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 yeah. For um, sure. which oh god, I I miss being a fucking faggot and <laughs> having those confused straight boys like exploring their sexuality with mm-hmm. you. It's so much hotter than being a trans girl and guys doing that because <laughs> then I'm like ew. But as a faggot, every faggot loves that. Yeah, Ugh, it's so hot. Um, anyway, so obviously <laughs> the like mistake one is that the failed threesome but the other aspect of the fuck up in the story is that <laughs> i i ask him i'm like i tell him to message me on facebook so that we can like make plans and hang out again like in the car mm-hmm. and he's like okay i will and then i go home and i wait like 2 days and he never messages me and i'm like I'm, I start flipping out because I'm like, oh, my God, I just realized I don't remember this guy's name. <laughs> so I can't even look him up on Facebook. How did I spend nearly like 18 hours with him and I don't remember his name? A year later, I'm back in the States and the message request feature oh, I knew it. is a new aspect of Facebook. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, what's this? I click on it. It's a message from him. From, From like the day then. he had dropped me off, being like, had such a great time with you last night. No. Can't wait to see you soon. Let me know when you want to hang out again. Oh, my God. That's I, painful. I cried in my bed to <laughs> Hallelujah for like five days waiting for him to message me. I was oh, so no. sad. So if I ever go back to Rio, which I will, I'm going to look him up because we're friends on Facebook. And I'm going to fuck him. Oh, my God. The message requests thing has fucked me over several times. I hate it. Several times. But And also, I'm like, why didn't you just add me on Facebook, bitch? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fuck him, but also fuck Facebook message requests. And also just like, don't fuck next to someone unless you've asked them if that's okay. <laughs> the amount of times that I've had people fuck while I'm in the same room as them mm-hmm. in my 20s is like... It literally makes me feel more violated than being date-raped. It's date such raped a weird... It, it's like, it is gaslighting because it's like, it, there's this unspoken agreement in those situations that you, as the person not being fucked, need to pretend like you don't hear it and that you're asleep. Yeah. And that they think they're getting away with it. Yeah. I did it to a few people when I was a teenager. It really... I don't know. When you're a teenager, you don't really have as much, as much no, of a choice because yeah. it's like, well, we're all... At a sleepover right now. Yeah, that's um, different. But grown ass adults, come on. <laughs> it drives me insane. I hate it. Yeah, I agree. And also, when you were literally about to sleep on that couch, too. There's yeah. no reason. Well, which makes me think that they didn't want to fuck. They just wanted me to watch. Ugh. And I'm not a watcher. No. I get watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. an Aquarius. Yeah, I'm like, if any, I'm an Aquarius with a Leo Mars. If anyone's being watched while we're fucking, you're watching me, bitch. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Best mistake. 
All right. Well, this relates. Yeah. <laughs> to, how does this relate? <laughs> wait, this relates to this week's mis- best mistake um, because it uh, involves a bunch of people uh, watching somebody make a mistake. Okay. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you, you were watching them make a mistake. Maybe they weren't supposed to get back together. So, like. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Ooh, hold on. My phone. I want it to be plugged in. Okay. Okay. Um, so this week I'm talking about Jenny Slate on Saturday Night Live and just a quick, um, like preamble, I guess, is that, um, Jenny Slate is a comedian and I think with comedians, especially comedians like her, where she's still like alive and accessible, it's not like there's a huge chance we'll ever have her on the show, but if we were to have her on the show, um, She's talked so much about this particular mistake that I it would be a disservice to have her on the show to talk about this mistake. Um, So the reason I'm like comfortable talking about somebody in our own field uh, is because if if we ever and Jenny Slate, please come on the show. Please, But if we ever had the privilege of interviewing Jenny Slate, I wouldn't want to waste her time with this story. Yeah. But this story I think has like kind of a really beautiful message, especially in the field that you and I are both in. And so I think it's like, I still want to discuss this mistake on the podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but she doesn't need to be present for it because she's at length talked about this. So um, anyway, Jenny Slate, AKA America's sweetheart, absolute (laughs) national treasure was born on March 25th, which is iconic, (laughs) but also my birthday, your birthday, um, icons only. Okay. (laughs) Born on March 25th, (laughs) Elton John, Ali Mashaka, Jenny Slate, Anya Volts, our dad, dad, my (laughs) best friend in high school who definitely had a personality disorder. Yeah, no, we all have personality (laughs) disorders. Um, okay. So March 25th, 1980, 80, March 25th, 1982 in Milton, Massachusetts, another new New England. Um, so where my personal, you know, March 25th is kind of being born on March 25th and being comedians are kind of all that Jenny and I have in common. Um, where our paths diverge is she graduated from Columbia wow. <laughs> in 2004. Good for you, Jenny. Really um, sticking it to the rest of us with that very impressive degree. Um, and, and in like during her time in Columbia, she met Gabe Liedman, which is like famously her comedy partner, writing partner. And they started doing comedy together around that time in New York City. So she came up very much in the like stand-up comedy scene in New York, not so much the UCB improv sketch scene. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so she wasn't like, even though, you know, everybody who ends up doing comedy, a lot of us, our dream as kids is to be on Saturday Night Live. But usually, um, especially if you end up choosing stand up as your like preferred method of comedy, um, SNL isn't so much like the goal anymore because it just isn't like, you know, it's not we usually age out of that fantasy. And she is one of those people who like she grew up always wanting to be on SNL, but then her like her trajectory didn't seem like it was going to include SNL. And she kind of just realized like whatever, like I don't, I don't realize isn't even the right word. I feel like SNL kind of fell off her radar as even something to think about wanting for herself. Yeah. Icons only. You know. <laughs> what, on SNL? No, icons only forget about wanting to go on SNL. Oh, okay. I was like, okay, there's a couple <laughs> icons from SNL, but I wouldn't say that. Um, icons only in this, you know, time frame. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I've watched like, SNL since like 2008, so. Well, then you missed her stint on it. Yeah, I didn't even know she was on. So um, in early 2009, so basically between like 2004-ish and at this point in the timeline, 2009, she had been like grinding in comedy and like, you know, making a name for herself in the scene, but didn't have any like big credits yet. In early 2009, she started making appearances on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, um, doing little sketches for him. And then she had a recurring role on the TV show Bored to Death. And she made guest appearances on things like Whitest Kids You Know and Important Things with Dimitri Martin. Um, and Dimitri to- Martin. And towards the, like in the summer of 2009 is when she got the job on Saturday Night Live. 
And so she was on one season of Saturday Night Live from 2009 to 2010, which was the 35th season of Saturday Night Live. Um, On the very first episode, the premiere episode of season 35 on September 26th, 2009, um, the host was Megan Fox. The musical guest was U2. (laughs) Icons only. LOL. (laughs) Um, Not U2. Um, Jenny was one of the newest additions to the cast. Like she was a brand new cast member. And in the very first episode, she wrote and starred in a sketch called Biker Chick Chat. And her scene partner in that sketch was Kristen Wiig. Um, so, you know, picture yourself. You're at like the job, you know, the comedy job yeah. on fucking Saturday Night Live. And not only are you in the, like a lot of new cast members aren't even in the first episode, yeah. but not only are you in the first episode as a new cast member, it's a sketch you wrote and she is hyped. She's like, I'm here to prove myself. And Kristen Wiig is your scene partner. I mean, wow. And on her very first sketch on her very first episode of Saturday night live, Jenny Slate accidentally says the word fuck. <laughs> on Saturday Night Live, which is deeply not okay. Okay, well, that's, I was waiting for Nika, you to... Nika just gave me a look like, what's wrong with that? It's, <laughs> it's live TV, it's NBC. She can't say fuck. Um, so this is like an enormous, and you can see on her face immediately. She's like, I just absolutely... Wait, what's the context behind her saying fuck? Like, um, Well, so the sketch, like during the bikers, biker chick chat sketch, um, the actual thing that she says is you stood up for yourself and I fucking love you for that. And so the, um, the sketch, which I think is truly the mistake more than Jenny saying the word fuck the sketch. Um, and listen, she wrote the the sketch too. So either way, it's kind of her mistake, but the sketch has the character saying friggin a lot. Okay. Cause they're two friggin biker chicks and they're okay. And she says, I fucking love you for that. Instead of I freaking love you for that. And like in the like she immediately you can like if you can look it up on YouTube. It's one of those things. Yeah. You can see her face is immediately like I ruined it. I ruined everything. (laughs) It's kind of the look on her face. Um, She. Yeah. Slate quickly holds her breath after realizing her mistake is how it's described. Lauren Michaels backstage, like throwing darts at a photo of her. <laughs> so apparently according to her, she immediately came up to Lauren right after the sketch and was like, I'm so sorry. And his, you know, uh, like essentially what he says to her is don't worry about it. Enjoy the rest of the show. And I think, you know, he's seasoned enough. He's seen enough things go wrong on Saturday night live. You know, at this point, the Ashley Simpson thing had already happened. He's seen enough things go wrong on live television that I think he is mostly not worried about like the show itself or like the ramifications, but it's more just like it is, you know, she's a brand new cast member. Yeah. She hasn't had a lot of time yet to show her value to the show. So it is kind of a moment where he may have made a mental note about her. But according to her, like she was never punished for that. It was never held over her head. Um, Everybody was super understanding and supportive. All the cast members were like very nice to her about it. Um, And like, I guess they were already joking about it the next week. But she says that she regrets joking about it with the rest of the cast. Like Andy Samberg made a joke about it because one of his pitches in the writer's room like didn't land. And like as a joke, he's like, Jenny said fuck. (laughs) Like that was like the way he recovered from the fact that his like pitch Uh, didn't land. Okay, And like she she went like she, you know, joked with him about that in that moment. And she like says that she sometimes worries that by her joining in about joking around about it, that was her showing Lauren that she wasn't taking it seriously. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But that's how she felt about it anyway. So she wasn't fired. She got to finish out the season. Oh. Um, but she um, was not renewed for the next season. Yikes. And um she insists that it wasn't because of the F-bomb and it be- was because it was generally not a good fit. However, um, there are a lot of things that happened on a personal level to her because of that mistake. And so I'm like, and you know, who knows? Like I said, it could be that Lauren has like a little chart in his head about whether someone is net positive or net negative for the yeah. show. And it could be that that was one of the things that pushed her over to the edge of like not worth being renewed. But like, I'm sure if she were a good fit, regardless, that wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. So I agree with her or I like believe her that like that alone didn't make her not renewed for the, yeah. 
for the next season. Um, she has a lot. She said a lot about her time on Saturday Night Live. And in general, she like the way that she's spoken about it is that it was not good for her. Like the environment wasn't one that she thrived in and the type of people that work at Saturday night live, like she loved them all and they were all super nice to her, but they weren't like her people. Yeah. And she, she always felt like the messy kind of like, you know, Oh Jenny, we relate so much to that. (laughs) Like she, she, but you know, what's funny is like, I, I forget where, but there was some quote from her about how like all these people at SNL are like these, super accomplished, like clean, put together actresses that like went to Harvard or whatever. And I'm like, well, you went to Columbia. Yeah. <laughs> like you are still in that club, Jenny. You're just like the cool, relatable one. <laughs> um, we all suffer from imposter syndrome, don't we? Oh, totally. But you know, I, I think that hers is more than imposter syndrome. I think if anything, she has like serious clarity on what kind of environments are good for her or not. Yeah. And I really appreciate her saying that because I mean, at least not of the comedians I look up to. She's like the only one in the generation of comics that like I when I started getting really into comedy, like I was obsessed with her and like her crew of people that she's like affiliated with. And all the other people from her era on Saturday Night Live have like pretty much nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah. And I thought it was really sobering and helpful as an aspiring comedian to hear somebody like her be like honest about it just not being right for her because I think like I have friends that work there now and like you know for the most part I think they all enjoy it but I have heard a few of them say that it's just like really like a toxic work environment and I think it's like helpful to know that you're not the only one who feels that way because you know I think a lot of people are like just shut up and enjoy this like I like huge opportunity and like to a degree that's true, but you can also like acknowledge that. I mean, as early as the first season of SNL, like Gilda Radner said in her memoir that SNL was like a toxic place to work because of like, you know, for her back then it was the misogyny of the workplace. Mm -hmm. So it's like SNL has always kind of had a reputation as being like, I think what it is now is just like the, there's like huge expectations on people in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's become super, super Cat, it's uh, every, you know it's become super corporate in my opinion I agree you yeah know, it's I mean, like it's SNL to me is like the fast fashion of comedy <laughs> to yeah. be honest well especially now that Twitter exists SNL is becoming less and less necessary because for a long time That's it was so like sad. it was like the weekly like funny takes on what happened yeah. but like you get that in real time now and yeah. so by the time Saturday Night Live does a joke about something like it's already three Twitter cycles ago um, or Instagram or TikTok or any of these SNL, things. get a fucking trans cast member. God <laughs> damn it. Um, they have a non-binary writer. Oh, great. And. No, really, that's great. I'm trying to think. <laughs> a couple gay writers and cast members now, I guess. But anyway, um, so on Jenny's episode of You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes, which um, this episode came out June 6, 2012. So she had like three years of retrospective clarity on it. Um, She discusses the incident at length and she describes that moment as a cosmic moment where either her this was going to be her first sketch where she writes and performs in it um, for the like, you know, most iconic TV shows, one of the most iconic TV shows of all time. And it goes well and she gains confidence and a sense of belonging from that. Or the other path is that the absolute opposite of that happens. And like, that's what ended up happening. So she's like to her had that episode gone well and she had like said fuck in the second episode yeah the like lasting ramifications in her soul probably wouldn't have been that severe because she already had this intense imposter syndrome and then she got this loud and clear Mm. message from the universe you don't belong here you know like you're the you're the idiot who says fuck on your first fucking sketch which which is obviously not how anyone else sees it but i completely understand how that's how like she internalized that at the time i think she's like 28 at the time too which is old which is ancient, um, which is very young. Our producer just, um, her mouth became. <laughs> our, <yeah. laughs> our elderly producer just got. Our middle-aged <laughs> producer. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say is that, especially in comedy, 28 is very young. Like the median age for, I think, like oh, comedians. Well, just think of most comedians. Good to know. I don't know these things. Hey, I mean, kid. Okay. 
whatever. I mean, I think if you thought about it for a, a minute, you'd come to the conclusion most comedians don't really get pick up a lot of steam until their 30s. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Okay, I never great. really knew that. I always felt like I wasn't really uh, like I had started comedy too late. Well, you did kind of start late, but I'm just saying a lot of people <laughs> start like much earlier than that. And then like it takes that into their 30s to really pick up steam is what I'm saying. But yeah, no, 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 you're fine. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, you're literally I don't think Tina Fey had even started comedy by the time she was your age yet. Just if that helps anyway yeah, she's in one of those motivational old people celebrity videos where it's like you know, at tw- tina fey when she was 24 was slipping burgers at mcdonald's <laughs> lucille ball when she was 27 was still being rejected right, but like that's good motivation though because tina fey was the fucking head writer at saturday night live and then had multiple of her own tv shows so like that's what i'm saying anyway so jenny um uh yeah so she's she on that episode she said that um she was incredibly disappointed in herself um, and like kind of the rest of that season, just it, like there kept being almost like a confirmation bias of like her not belonging and um, her not like being suited to the environment, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really obsessed with going to psychics, which I love about her. And she said during that time, a psychic told her that she was swimming with sharks in reference to her time in Saturday wow. Night Live. Um she kind of disagrees with the, the psychic in that she doesn't feel like anybody she was working with were sharks necessarily. Like they were very supportive and nice to her, but she agreed with like the energy of that being that like she wasn't safe in that water. Yeah. So she's like the, her cast members and Lauren weren't necessarily sharks, but like she needed to get out is how she felt. Mm-hmm. Um, but was still like heartbroken when she didn't get renewed for another season, obviously. Yeah, um, so after that, she developed a severe sense of stage fright. Um, and on the off camera show on YouTube, she shared the following two quotes that I'm going to pull from that interview because I think they're very profound. So the first quote is, I thought that everybody, I thought that everybody cared. Nobody cared at all. Nobody cares at all. Nobody cares if I got fired, but I couldn't get over it. It was too, I was too sensitive. And when I got on stage, I felt everyone hates me. They think I'm annoying for trying. They're mad at me for trying. Why are you still here? Get out. You failed. You're reminding us all that we could also fail. Get out. You're the dying antelope in reference to Mm -hmm. how antelopes abandon the ones that are dying because it makes the whole group weaker. (laughs) So that's how she felt about her public failure. What's her song? Oh, Aries. Okay, never mind. We know that. Early, or she's an early Aries, like a March Aries too, which I feel like we tend to... Pisces energy. Yeah, we have a little... Yeah, exactly. Sad. Um, But we're also just like intense. Um, She's got to have so much more water in her chart than I do though. She seems a little bit more like... Like, I don't, I don't even know. Not sensitive because I'm definitely sensitive, but she feels more like um, feelings oriented than I am. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so then towards the end of that same interview, this is the quote that she has about pulling herself out of that mindset um, where she was like, basically like, what, what the hell am I talking about? I'm so young. This is not the end for me. This man who runs a television show that's in a skyscraper in the middle of New York city, he can tell me that I can't be there. And in fact, I agree with him who cares, but I'm not going to take this narrative to the end of the road. I do not need to let that experience take this thing away from me. This thing being her love of performing and her love of comedy. So she got hypnotherapy and got over her stage fright. Wow. Um, These are the things that she has done since being fired from SNL. Um, In 2010, right around the time that she would have been like, had she still worked at Saturday Night Live, she wouldn't have had time to do this because she'd be working there. Um, She co-wrote and voiced on the animated film Marcel the the Shell with with shoes on, which was a viral sensation. The best. Um, And she co-wrote two Marcel the Shell children's books. And I think both of them are New York Times bestsellers, but at least one of them is. Um, And then from then on, she was these. These are just a couple of things she's been in her imdb page is a mile long yeah, booked and <laughs> busy truly booked and busy but these are like some of the biggest hits she was an Alv- alvin and the chipmunks the lorax parks and recreation obvious child um kroll show house of lies drunk history girls adventure time bob's burgers big mouth and so much more and i will say one of the more recent jenny slate news stories is when she um left big mouth because her character on the show which is an animated series if you're not familiar 
Her character on the show um, is uh, biracial and she herself is a white woman. She's Jewish, but she's white. (laughs) Um, So she wanted to make sure that um, she give that opportunity to an actual person of color. And so now um, a beloved comedian from our generation of comics, um, Io Edebury, voices that same character. And Jenny, uh, you know, for now, because who knows what will happen. But for now, she's marked down on the right side of history. <laughs> I love Jenny Slate. Um, she's the best. Jenny's, uh, I'll, um, I'll admit, here and now, obvious child when it came out is what made me want to start actually doing stand-up. Which is so funny because the stand-up sh- that she does in that it's movie so is bad. really bad. Yeah, but just, I like But really... I think that's kind of the point in that movie yeah. is that she's like, She's like a fuck up in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really connected with her character in that movie. You know what's funny? The love interest in that movie is from so my hometown, hot. and um, I know him. <laughs> uh, I love him. I want to suck his dick. Um, All right. Well, I can arrange that. No, I think Daddy, he's in a, I love <laughs> I think he's in a serious relationship. He's but. so hot in everything he's in. He's such a doofus. I love him. Yeah, he's he's got big doofus vibes. Yeah. Moral of the story. Yeah, so I love that story for a bunch of reasons, but I think mostly because um, it's like, I think we hear a lot of stories about failure kind of in the middle of someone's career where they bounce back from Mm -hmm. like something happening. Like, I don't know, like this person didn't work for four years and they bounced back with this like big comeback role. And like, that's great. And we love that. But I think there's something about bouncing back from your first thing being a failure. <laughs> yeah. That is like something that a lot of people need to hear, myself included. Yeah. Um because I'm sure in her head, I mean even as she said, like the narrative in her in her head is that she failed and that she was a fuck up and that like nobody wants her they're they're like done with her, you know? Yeah. Like you've proved yourself to us and what you've proven is that we don't want you. Um and then, you know, lo and behold, the it had only just begun her beautiful career. Yeah. So I would say the moral of the story is um, that a lot of like, I mean, I don't know. This is, it's like, this is kind of heady for me to extrapolate, but like we kind of create our reality with our perspective. And um, she, for a minute, willed her own failure into existence, you know, by being Mm. like, oh, I, I failed at this one thing. So like, now that's that's the truth that's the narrative is that I like don't belong on this show and I shouldn't do stand-up anymore and like you know yeah succumbing to stage fright etc and you know she had a kind of like moment of clarity um a fuck that kind of moment if you will that I um am personally very inspired by because she's got a career that I sure as hell would love to emulate. Yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she, um, that whole, like, situation, for me at least, shows that, like, we all in this industry think that there is, like, a very specific, or I won't say we all, but I think a lot of us have, like, imagined that there's a very specific set of, like, rules and, like, goalposts that you have to follow and hit to get the career that you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, SNL is like a big part of that. Like I think most comedians envision at some point in their career that that would be, you know, the North star would be to be on something like SNL either as like someone performing or writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously for her, it was a huge blow that she was fired but now as we like just discussed look at her career now it's yeah gorgeous amazing like she she has a beautiful career yeah and snl i mean i didn't even know she was on snl was so that's like say, how much of a blip exactly like she probably thought that it was her big break when she first got it yeah and now like most people don't even know she was ever even on it which yeah. is like that would be sad if it were her only thing yeah <laughs> but it's not like it's to me like such a minuscule like you said blip in yeah. the the map of Jenny Slate's career. And I yeah, I just freaking love her. I do too. I need to read her memoir. Um I also need to watch her Netflix special. I have never watched it. Um 
but I just love her and everything she's in. She's so sweet. She used to come into Providence a lot because her boyfriend, now husband, was going to Brown. I never got to meet her, though, but I heard from friends that she is extremely sweet. Ugh, yeah, she's the best. I love her. My I cousin. Love I love you, Jenny. My cousin knows her because my cousin knows her ex who um, oh. she worked on Marcel the Shell with. I love Marcel the Shell. <laughs> I'm Marcel the Shell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's iconic. She's literally iconic. Literally. And, um, just, and I just uh, love that, like, fuck is the word that. <laughs> so was, funny. Yeah, like, it's such a good word. And, like, for a minute, it was, like, this huge, like, oh. If if time is a flat circle, there is a Jenny Slate that's out there constantly experiencing that moment, of, you know, of like, no. And uh-huh. that sucks so much to experience that over such a beautiful word. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Jenny Slate, I had a similar experience, not on SNL, but performing where I dropped the F-bomb. I get it. I where understand. you shouldn't have? Yeah, it was um, I was the only freshman in the fall play my freshman year of high school to be cast. (laughs) And I played like a it was a Russian play. I played a beggar boy. And I the I think it was the opening night. I came out like a minute and 30 seconds too early. So like I'm supposed to I'm supposed to run out and fall on my knees and say alms for the alms for the beggar kind, sir to these like rich people, but I came out too early. So they're like still having a convo and I like run out (laughs) and I realized that I ran out too early and I just under my breath whispered, fuck, (laughs) but But it carried (laughs) through the, through the theater and everybody heard it. And I didn't realize that everybody heard it until I looked over and Lucio Andriozzi was looking at me, just rolling his eyes and shaking his head. And I was like, God damn it, everyone heard me say fuck. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, so Nika gets it. I do. Yeah, see, Jenny, I hope that makes you feel better. (laughs) (laughs) From saying fuck at the the freshman, my first play as a freshman, to being a podcaster in Ridgewood, Queens. Yeah. You know, people... Things can turn around Things can turn around. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. That's why I started comedy so late. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why Nika is... That's why I'm a 30-year-old comedian. An ancient comedian. Um, that's <laughs> why she's my, you know, and like this is like our our big sister, little sister yeah. program in comedy. Um, so yeah, that's that. And uh, email us your mistakes at, at best, best mistakes, mistakes pod at gmail dot com. Follow us on everything at Best Mistakes Pod. Follow me at Anya Volt. Follow me at Nika Lamazzo. Subscribe to our OnlyFans. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some money. Um, also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts Please. or wherever you get your leave podcasts. A review. Because it helps the algorithm suggest this podcast. And also, it just makes me people. not want to jump out of my window when I'm sad. Yeah, we really like the reviews. They're very, very nice so far. Yeah. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Um, and we want more nice reviews. So give us those nice reviews. Thanks. And yeah, we Jenny love Slate, you. come on the pod. Yeah, Jenny Slate, come on the pod. Um, we love you. Bye. Bye.